Welcome to World's Literature Festival 2013, a week of events, readings and discussion in Norwich. This podcast comes from an event looking at the life and work of Tove Janssen and features Esther Freud reading from Comet in Moominland. fantastic crossing of the dried up sea and how the snork maiden rescues moving troll from a giant octopus. On the 5th of October the birds stopped singing. The sun was so pale you could hardly see it at all and over the wood the comet hung like a cartwheel surrounded by a ring of fire. Snufkin didn't play his mouth organ that day. He was very quiet and thought to himself, I haven't felt so depressed for a long time. I usually feel sad in a way when a good party is over, but this is something different. It's horrible when the sun has gone and the forest is silent. The others hadn't much to say either. Sniff had a headache and was grumbling to himself. Their feet were tired after so much dancing, and progress was a bit slow. Gradually the trees thinned out, and by and by a landscape of deserted sand dunes lay before them. Nothing but soft sandy hillocks, with here and there tufts of blue-grey sea oats. I can't smell the sea, said Moomin Troll, sniffing. It's hot. Perhaps it is a desert, said Sniff. On and on they went, up one hill and down another, and it was heavy going on the soft sand. Look, said the snork suddenly, the Hattie Fatteners are on the move again, and sure enough, there in the distance was a wavering line of little figures. Oh, they're going east, said the snork, Perhaps we'd better follow them, because they always know where danger lies and try to get away from it. But we must go this way, said Moomin Troll. The valley is to the west. I'm so thirsty, well sniff. But nobody answered. Tired and discouraged, they struggled on. The sand dunes gradually got flatter and flatter, and then stopped at a line of seaweed glistening in the red light. Beyond this was a pebbly beach, and then... They stood in a row and stared. Oh, strike me pink! said Linden Troll, where sea should have been, with soft blue waves and friendly sails, there gaped a yawning abyss. Hot steam rose from the depths of great cracks that seemed to go down to the very heart of the earth, and below them the cliff went down, down. Linden Troll, gasped the small maiden, the whole sea has dried up. What will the fisher say to that? exclaimed Sniff. Snork took out his exercise book and added something to the list headed Risks Encountered During Approach of Comet. <laughs> but Snufkin sat down with his head in his hands and wailed, Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, beautiful sea. Quite gone. No more sailing, no more swimming, no more fishing, no great storms, no transparent ice, and no gleaming black water reflecting the stars. Finished, lost, gone and he put his head on his knees and cried as if his heart would break. Snuff, said Ruben Troll reproachfully, you have always been so happy-go-lucky. It's dreadful to see you despairing like this. No, said Snuffkin, but I've always loved the sea more than anything else. This is so sad. Especially for the fish, screamed Sniff. What means to be most important? What seems to be most important, said the snork, 
is how we are going to get across this huge gap, because we haven't got time to go round it. Oh no, of course not, Rowan agreed anxiously. Let's hold a meeting, said the snork. I will take the chair. Now, what alternatives have we for crossing a dried up sea? Fly, said Sniff. Don't be silly, said the snork. Proposal rejected. <laughs> well, walking, suggested Rumen Troll. You are stupid, said the snork. We should fall down those great cracks or sink into the mud. Proposal rejected. Uh, propose something yourself, then, said Rumen Troll angrily. Then Snufkin lifted his head. I know, he cried. Stilts. Stilts, said the snork. Proposal re uh, Wait a minute, cried Snufkin. Listen. Don't you remember how I used stilts in the land of in the land of the hot springs? In one stride I could get over practically anything. It's quick too. But isn't it awfully difficult to walk on stilts? asked the snork maiden. You can practice here on the beach, answered Snufkin. Now it's only a question of finding stilts. So they all set off in different directions on a stilt hunt. And it wasn't a very easy hunt either. A snork faced the problem most sensibly. He thought, stilts along poles? What are poles? They are tree trunks. Where are the trees in the wood? And so he set, went all the long hot way back to the edge of the wood and got a pair of slender fir saplings for himself. There are no tree spirits in the fir. Mimentrol and the snork maiden hunted together. They talked about Moon Valley and the cave and soon completely forgot what they were hunting for. My papa has built a wonderful bridge, said Mimentrol for about the third time. But mostly... He writes in a book called Memoirs. It's all about what he has done in his life, and as soon as he does something else, he writes that down too. <laughs> and surely he hasn't got much time to do, he hasn't got time to do very much, said the snort maiden. Well, said Mimitrol, he makes sure of doing things now and again, even if it's only to give himself something to write about. <laughs> Tell me about that terrible flood you had, said the snort maiden. Oh yes, it was dreadful, said Moomintrol. The water just rose and rose until in the end, Mama and Sniff and I were standing on a little mound with hardly room, even for our tails. Phew, said the Snort Maiden. How high was the water? Five times higher than I am, or, or, or perhaps more, said Moomintrol. About as high as that pole <coughs> over there. Fancy, exclaimed the Snort Maiden, and they wandered on, thinking about that. After a while, Moomintrol stopped and asked, didn't I just say, as high as that pole over there? Oh, yes, why? asked the snort maiden. Well, because I've just remembered. We're looking for poles, Mimitrol <laughs> answered. We must go back and fetch it. They trudged back along the beach till they found the pole again. It was very long and painted red and white. Oh, it's one of those posts they use at sea to mark rocks from one side, said Mimitrol. And there's the one for the other side. They were in what had been a little bay before the sea dried up. And the beach was littered with wreckage, piles of driftwood, birch bark, and seaweed. The snort maiden found the knob off the top of a ship's mast, but it was too big to take with them. Instead, she picked up a bottle with a gilded stopper which had drifted all the way from Mexico. And soon afterwards, they came across a very long plank which, broken in two, would do very well for the second pair of stilts. They set off back, very pleased with themselves, and found the others already practicing, already practicing. Snufkin was demonstrating proudly on a fishing rod and a, and a hot pole, and Sniff <clears throat> was trying to keep his balance on a broomstick and the pole that still had their flag, that still had their flag on the end of it. And you ought to have seen me a minute ago, he cried, and immediately felt smack on his nose. You have to do it like this, said the snork, climbing over a sandbag. 
It's like wearing seven-league boots. It's not they whimpered with fright when they ho hoisted her up on her stilts, but after a time, she was better than any of them, strutting about with such an air that you'd have thought she'd worn them all her life. I think that's pretty good now, said Snufkin, when they had been balancing and staggering and falling for an hour or so. Let's start, one after another, with their stilts under their arms. They began to climb down the difficult, slippery path to the abyss. It's very depressing down there on the sea bottom. The seaweed, which looked so beautiful, waving in green, transparent water, was all flat and black, and the fish floundered pathetically in half-dried-out pools. The steam was like a smokescreen above them, and through it the comet shone with a dim, eerie light. It's almost the same as the land of the hot springs, said Snufkin. It smells awful, said Sniff, wrinkling his nose. Don't forget I'm to blame for this. I warned you. Oh, I'm not to blame for this. I warned you. <clears throat> How goes it? cried Mimitrol to the snort maiden through the steam. Fine, thanks, came a faint answering cry. And on they stalked like long-legged insects across the bottom of the sea while the ground sloped gradually down. Here and there great green dark mountains rose. Their tops had once been little islands where people had landed and children enjoyed themselves splashing about in the water. Never again will I swim in deep water, said Sniff with a shiver just to think that all this was underneath. He squinted down a dark cleft, where there was still some water left, and no doubt a strange, swarming underwater life. But it's beautiful, but it's beautiful, although it's so awful, said Snufkin. Nobody has ever been here before us. What's that over there? Oh, a treasure chest, screamed Sniff. Oh, let's go and see. We can't take it with us anyhow, said the snork. Let it be, I expect we'll find even more extraordinary things before we get through this place. Now they were moving between jagged black rocks and had to go very carefully for fear of the stilts getting caught. Suddenly in the gloom in front of them a great dark shape loomed up. What's that? asked Moon Troll, stopping to sudden, so suddenly that he nearly fell on his nose. Perhaps it's something that bites, said Sniff anxiously. Slowly they advanced and peeped at the shape from behind a rock. A ship? exclaimed the snork. A shipwreck. How miserable she looked, poor ship. Her mast was broken, and barnacles covered her rotted hull. Her sails and rigging had long ago been swept away by the current, and her golden figurehead was cracked and discoloured. Do you think there's anybody on board? whispered the small maiden. Oh, I expect they were rescued by a lifeboat, said Raymond Troll. Come away, this is horrible. Oh, wait a minute, said Sniff, popping down from his stilts. I can see something gold. Something shining. Oh, remember what happened with the garnets and the giant lizard, called Snufkin. Much better, let it be. But Sniff bent down and pulled a dagger with a golden hilt out of the sand. It was set with opals that shone like moonlight, and the blade gleamed coldly. Sniff lifted up his find and shouted with excitement. Oh, so beautiful, exclaimed the Snork maiden, and completely lost her balance. She rolled backwards and forwards and suddenly shot right over the side of the ship and disappeared into the hold. Mumitrol let out one shriek and dashed to her rescue. His rush was slightly held up by the slipperiness of the deck, but he was soon peering down into the dark hold. Are you there? he cried anxiously. Oh yes, I'm here, piped the snort maiden. Are you all right? asked Mumitrol, jumping down and finding the shock that the water came up to his middle and that it had a horrible, stagnant smell. I am all right, said the snort maiden, only so frightened. 
Sniff is an absolute pest, said Mirkentroff furiously, always wanting to run after everything that shines or glitters. Well, I do understand him, said the Snork Maiden. Ornaments are such fun, especially if they're made of gold and jewels. Do you think we might find some more treasure in here? It's so dark, said Mirkentroff, and there may be dangerous animals about. Yes, I suppose you're right, said the Snork Maiden obediently. Be a good Mirkentroff then and help me out of here. So Mirkentroff lifted her up onto the ledge onto the edge of the hatchway. The snork maiden immediately took out her looking glass to see if it was broken, but thank goodness the glass was whole and all the rubies were still on the back. But as she was titivating herself, a horrifying picture came into the looking glass. There was a dark hole, and there was a movement tool who was just climbing out. Behind, in a dark corner, there was something else, something that moved, something that crept slowly nearer to movement tool. Snork maiden threw down the looking glass and yelled with all her might, Look out! There's something behind you! Mimitrol looked over his shoulder, and what he saw was a huge octopus, the most dangerous of deep-sea creatures, squirming slowly out of a corner towards him. He tried desperately to clamber up and reach the snort maiden's paw, but he slid back on the slimy planks and splashed into the water again. By this time, Snufkin and the others had come up on the deck to see what was happening, and they tried to poke the octopus with their stilts, but it didn't have the slightest effect on him. He just crept relentlessly nearer to Mumentrol, his long tentacles already groping after his prey. Then the Snork Maiden had an idea. She'd often played with a looking glass in the sun, making its reflection shine into her brother's eyes to dazzle him. So now she picked up her ruby looking glass and tried the same thing against the octopus, only shining a comet instead of the sun into his eyes. It was most successful. The octopus stopped at once, and while he was dazzled and didn't know what to do, Mumitrol clambered up by his stilts and was hauled on deck by the others. They left that dreadful ship without wasting any time, and hardly drew, drew breath before they were several sea miles away from it. Then Mumitrol said to the snort maiden, You saved my life, you know, and in such a clever way, too. <laughs> I shall ask Snufkin to write a poem in your honour, because I'm afraid... I can't write poetry myself. The snort maiden lowered her eyes and began to change colour with pleasure. I was very happy to do it, she whispered. I would save your life eight times a day if only I could. And I wouldn't mind eight octopuses attacking me every day if I could only be saved from them by you, said Moomintrol gallantly. If you've quite finished babbling to each other, said Sniff, perhaps we could go on. Thank <laughs> you.